All right, guys, let's make our way back. Glad you love each other. Let's pray for my dad as he brings a message this morning. Lord Jesus, we love my dad, Pastor Robin. We bless him. Uh, we're thankful for his heart. We're thankful for who he is. And we're thankful for all the experiences he's had in his life, Lord, that have been for our benefit, for the benefit of other people, Lord Jesus, that you've worked in him, Lord God. So we ask that you would draw all that out in power this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. That was really good this morning, wasn't it? Come on. Yeah. Part, part of what I like to do and feel like I should do is um, talk about uh, the relationship I have with the Lord and different things I've learned, practically speaking, and attach that to principles and truths from the Scripture. Um, because if knowing the Lord doesn't help us know how to live and function and even think, then we've got a ways to go, right? It really, it really does need to... A relationship with the Lord really does need to work. How many of you are aware that sometimes it doesn't work? Yes, yes. Let me give you a hint. I don't care how long you know the Lord, you're going to have seasons where it doesn't work. What? Trust me. That's the way it's going to feel. But when it feels like it doesn't work, he's usually working something out inside your heart. Is that okay? Everybody okay with that? Good, good. All right. Um, I'm going to talk about uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob's wife, Leah, a little bit this morning. Jacob wanted to marry Rachel, so his uncle said, work for me seven years and she's yours, so he did. They had the wedding ceremony. It must have been at night later on because they consummated... The wedding, and when he woke up, he actually woke up with Rachel's sister, Leah. Some of the stuff in the Bible is pretty awesome, isn't it? <laughs> oh, me. And uh, much to Jacob's dismay, he said, um, how did this happen? And uh, Laban had apparently forgotten to mention to Jacob that um, the oldest daughter needed to get married first, and if he'd worked another seven years, he would give Jacob Rachel in advance. And so, hey, I didn't make this stuff up, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but the wonderful thing about the Bible, even with some of these very strange kind of episodes, is a lot of times there are pictures and parallels and um, insightful truths that speak of things much greater than whether or not this actually should have happened or not. And so I'm going to talk today a little bit about Leah's story. But before I do, I want to talk a little bit about mine. Um, I worked for 14 years at a ministry that was very exciting, very rewarding, but very stressful. I've actually described it this way. It was like being strapped to the blade of a helicopter. 
And, um, but it was, a, it was just a tremendous season. Some of the most remarkable things happened. But I sort of lived on fumes. I was just tired all the time and always trying to, uh, you know, make the next thing happen, whatever that next thing was. And there was always a next thing. So I treasured my vacations. And uh, this actually, I have the date. This goes back to July of 2005. I had a two-week vacation. Don and I went to the beach with some of the kids. I can't remember how many went. Um, but we, we, got this, uh, we got this condo. And I mean, I was vacation ready. I was good to go. But when we got down there, several things happened. The air conditioning didn't work. And um, that's, that was a little bit painful. And I got an earache. Like the first earache I'd had since I was five years old or something. It was crazy. I was thinking. But it hurt so bad And some of you will remember that every time my heart beat, my ear throbbed. One of those kind. How many of you remember those kind of earaches? And so I am, um, I'm adopting the uh, self-pity policy of how to deal with these issues. So I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm in that sort of reality slash dreams state. And finally, I just say to the Lord, I'm holding him personally responsible for my condition. I said, literally, why would you let me get an earache of all times on my vacation? Because I'm thinking, I'm working my (coughs) off, and I got like two weeks to recharge, and I got no air conditioning and an earache. Why would you let that happen to me? Anybody else ever talk to the Lord like that? I don't think he really minds. Because if you already feel that way, he already knows. So by the time you say it, he's getting happier with you all the time. You know what I'm saying? He knows. (laughs) He is very, God is a very smart person, by the way. So, So suddenly in that state, it's like the Lord comes to me, and I didn't see him. I don't know what category to put this in. I don't really care anymore. I just know what happened. He says to me, he doesn't rebuke me for complaining. He just says this to me, I want you to go somewhere with me. Will you go? I said, sure. So suddenly, I was in Jerusalem, and I was standing before it looked like the Wailing Wall. You know how tall, how huge that. Some of you might have seen the president, the Wailing Wall here. It's pretty crazy, but but it looked like the Wailing Wall. But actually, there were twelve thrones compacted together, and each throne was for one of the twelve tribes of Israel. I knew that, and so when I was looking at the thrones, I noticed. The only throne no one was sitting in was the throne for the tribe of Judah. And so I'm standing there and I'm looking at what I call Judah's empty throne. The Lord brought me there to show me this. I have an earache. I'm mad at him. The air conditioning's not working. It's all God's fault. 
I messed my thought. Anybody think that way sometimes? You people must be too holy to preach to. I'm not sure what the problem is, but... Isn't it awesome when the most spiritual guy in the room has problems? Is that okay? (laughs) If you only knew. So, I'm standing there looking at Judah's empty throne. And when I turn to the Lord, he's gone. I didn't even see him leave. He's gone. And then I'll, I don't know, wake up, get up, whatever it was. And I thought, what in the world was that all about? Meanwhile, my ears still ached. The air conditioning still didn't work. But I knew this was a very significant episode. I knew it was very, very important for me to get the point. And so the way I process things is when you have um, uh, input from the Lord that may not be chapter verse input, but more um, encounter, uh, natural episode, event, or prophetic picture, or however you function. Um, I first uh, source of uh, interpretation is always the Bible. So I looked at Judah. What does Judah speak of? Well, Judah means praise. And so the Lord has taken me to 12 seats of authority at what are either thrones or a place of wailing. And I noticed that the throne of praise is the only one no one is sitting in. Well, thrones speak of power. They speak of authority. Here's what I felt like the Lord was saying. It was time to praise the Lord, to regain the authority I had given up in that situation. It was time for me, and I believe this is what the Lord wants to say to us, it's time for us to turn our wailing walls into thrones of praise. And I will guarantee you something, until you learn that lesson, you will have a wailing wall. You will. And the thing about praise and thanksgiving to me is it's, and I'm going to exaggerate, it's a cure-all. Now I'm exaggerating. Nothing's a cure-all. Jesus is a cure-all. But praise and thanksgiving in life is a cure-all. It cures everything. Uh, It's a game-changer. It will either change you or your circumstances, or somebody else. And we're going to see how praise actually changes somebody else sometimes. But it's a game changer. You cannot afford to be a Christian and not live a life of praise and thanksgiving as your default mode. I believe the Christian default mode is hope, praise, thanksgiving, faith. That's the lowest you should ever go. Now, it's not the lowest we do ever go. But I think we go low sometimes to reacquaint ourselves with what it is to have a foundational reality in God. Praise and thanksgiving is a necessary ingredient. You can't, you can't mix up this batch you call life and let it bake and be what it's supposed to if you don't have that ingredient in it. You can't do without it. It's a foundational aspect 
of successful faith. Without it, you won't go the distance. You won't reach your full potential. You won't enjoy the journey. You won't position yourself for breakthrough. You will lose consistently. What happens for other people who get this on board will not happen for you. You have to face this issue. You really do. Now, Deuteronomy 28.47. I did not put this verse up on the scripture so it's because it's, it's so scary. I didn't, I didn't want to be embedded into your consciousness. But it says this. How many of you love the Bible? I do. I love the Bible. I'm a little bit of a hypocrite. I act like I love it more than I do, but I want to love it more. How about that? That's the trouble with being saved for 45 years. You, you, you forget how significant the Word of God is. You, you don't realize the Word of God is like the onion treatment, layer after layer after layer after layer. You don't just get it and go, oh, I know that. No, you don't know that. You know something about that. What is your, is your son-in-law's name Jaden? Jamin. Never mind. <laughs> This is called managing ADD. Thank you. No, no, I have a word for him, though. Actually, the word Jaden comes out of the word for praise. Judah, Jaden. But I feel like there's an aspect of Jamin that should be reflected in that name Judah or praise. I don't know how all that works, but... Uh, there's an encouragement there for him, and uh, the Lord will have to explain it to him. I'm doing the best I can, but there's something there. There's a key for your son-in-law. Now, here's the verse. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything, therefore you shall serve your enemies. Now, I'm not going to read the rest of it because it just makes God look terrible. It really, it does, it makes the Lord look terrible. But I interpret the nature of God through perfect theology named Jesus. And so in the Old Testament, people, I believe, would attribute things to God that he never intended to happen to them, but there were the inevitabilities of their bad choices and decisions. Um, because you make bad choices, you make bad decisions, you get the consequences of those decisions. And so what I see here is the Lord is saying, because you did not serve me with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything, you became subject to difficulties you could have avoided if, you're, if you had seen clearly, exercised faith, you would not serve things you're currently serving. But I don't believe God gives you hunger, thirst, nakedness, and puts you in need of everything and puts a yoke of iron on your neck until he's destroyed you. Because if I did that with my kids, they'd put me in jail. So that can't possibly be God. But it was their viewpoint of life in the Old Testament. But Jesus makes it very clear God is not the way he was represented in the Old Testament. Jesus actually rebuked some of the primary prophets in the Old Testament for some of the stuff they did. Like killing people. Jesus basically said, you don't know what spiritual... The, the, the disciples would come and say, hey, should we call fire down on this city like Elijah or Elisha? 
And Jesus says, you don't know what spirit you're of. And what he was doing, he was rebuking back down through the ages the idea that a prophetic um, enablement should result in the death of people. Come on, that's a great word. Because that's not the way God is. But what he is saying is, there's cause and effect. And if you look at life through the eyes of complaint and self-pity, you will become, you'll get where you're going. You really will. And so I'm challenging you here this morning. All right. My third son, Andy, had this revelation years ago about Thanksgiving. He said, Thanksgiving is a way you express your kingdom citizenship. Let me say that again. This is profound. Thanksgiving is a way you express your citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. Thanksgiving is like a passport that opens doors that nothing else can open. It enables you to gain access into heaven's embassy when you're under hostile fire or in the midst of warfare. It gives you a safe place. It opens those doors. That's really good. That's a really good revelation. Now, let's, um, let's look at Leah's story. I want to read something out of uh, Colossians 2.10 first. I think there is a fundamental misconception among married couples. Maybe just one. Everybody okay? Yeah. Colossians 2.10. And you are complete in him. Say that with me together. And you are complete in him. Now, what that means is you're not complete in each other. A lot of people teach that marriages, when you get married, you marry the person that completes you. Guess what? That's not true. Your wife will not complete you. Your husband will not complete you. Do I know what I'm talking about? Hey, 40 years, 40 years of wedded bliss. (laughs) Now, what do I mean? Well, what's a happy marriage? A happy marriage is when two people marry each other and they're both complete in Jesus. They're both finding their fulfillment in him together. The worst thing in the world is when you look to your wife or your wife looks to the husband and is trying to extract something from you you don't have. You know, it is very frustrating to try to get something from someone and that person does not have it. And then if you blame them for not having it, everybody with me, married people? Give me some, I oh, don't give me some support. I know what I'm talking about. I'm trying to help somebody up in here. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you try to find your completion in another person and you get it, guess what? There's one complete person in the marriage and there's one person got nothing left. But you can have a marriage where one person in the marriage really is complete in Jesus. They can hold that thing together till death do you part. But it ain't the best way to live. 
It's not the best way to live. It'll work. But it needs more oil. Let's say this. You are complete in in him. In him. Now, we see this in Genesis 29, verse 30. I mentioned earlier Jacob and Rachel. The problem with that relationship, Jacob loved Rachel, but he did not love, the Bible even says hated, Leah. And so we're going to jump into the story. Verse 30, how about reading this with me out loud? Then Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah, and he served with Laban still another seven years. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, the Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now, therefore, pay attention, now, therefore, my husband will love me. Now, Leah was looking to her husband to love her, and he didn't. Well, the Lord saw, verse 31, the Lord saw that Leah was unloved. I like that. God's watching. Listen, if, if you're being mistreated, guess what? God is watching. Actually, he's doing more than watching. He's listening. We can see that as well. He's listening. He's doing more than watching and listening. He saw the trouble Leah was in, and he opened her womb. He gave her a child. Now, here's the problem. Leah should have, if she was going to be complete, she should have looked to the Lord in gratefulness and thankfulness for God's mercy toward her, but instead what she did, she tried to, um, she tried to sort of, what's the right word? She tried to use what God did for her to draw out of her husband something her husband would not yet give her. Guess what? It didn't work. It didn't work. Um, the first three of her children, their names are very interesting. Reuben. She named the child Reuben. Reuben means uh, see, a son. And what she was saying was to, to Jacob, see, I gave you a child. Don't you love me now? You, you didn't love me before. Do you love me now? I did this for you. Do you love me now? Now, let's go on. Verse 33. Let's read this together. Then she conceived again and bore a son and said, Simeon, stop right there. Simeon means hearing or heard. And so it's almost like Leah is going through this process to try to win her husband. Really, she didn't understand. She wasn't really trying to win her husband. She was trying to find fulfillment in her husband who could not provide it for her. When she could have found that, 
that fulfillment in God. Now, you may, you may think, no, that's too noble an idea. That, that's too high concept. That's too super spiritual. No, it is not. It's the way this thing truly works. And it's the, why, the, the reason so many people are upset all the time. Christians, non-Christians. It's why there's so much divorce. You are looking for a solution that doesn't exist the way you want it, but it already does exist in a way you haven't acknowledged or seen yet. You already have from God that thing you're looking for from a person, which is his love. And so you hear, you see Leah walking through this process. See his son. The next thing is hearing. Maybe my husband will hear my heart. I, 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 you know, she does this again. Let's read this again. Verse 34, she conceived again and bore what? A son. And she said, now, this time my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, his name was called what? Levi which means attached or joined to. I don't know. Some of you don't remember this. How many of you are familiar with the band The Who? You remember that opera, Tommy? This, this sounds to me like that thing, see me, feel me, touch me, heal me. You remember that? Pinball wizard? <laughs> this is what she's saying. She's saying to her husband, won't you see me? Won't you hear me? Won't you touch me? Won't you provide for me the affection I need? <clears throat> and Jacob's going, no. No. So what do you do? You get a divorce. Now, I'm not mad at divorced people. Don't misunderstand me. I, love, I believe God loves do-overs. I, I do. I just... So, so I'm not condemning what's happened to people. I'm saying maybe there are ways to prevent it that we haven't fully embraced. Maybe it's really not about the other person giving you what you need. Hey, here's the great thing. You can't give them what they need either. So you, you can get out from underneath that kind of pressure. Now, the last verse is very interesting. Let's read 35. She conceived again and bore a son and said what? What, what did she say? What did she say? Now. I will praise the Lord. And I go name my child Judah, which means praise. Now, here's the amazing thing. She didn't, I don't believe she got completely delivered here, but I do believe the process began in a major way. I really think, um, let's say you have a demon. That's an awesome concept. Let's say you have a demon. And that demon afflicts you in certain ways. You can get delivered from that demon and you don't feel afflicted anymore. But then we got issues. Everybody familiar with issues? We got issues that are relational issues. And we begin to re re resolve those relational issues in a number of ways. Through healing, through 
a knowledge of God through a different way to look at life. And I think what was happening, but, but sometimes we grow in that healing over time. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some things take time. Some things have to work themselves in before they can work themselves out. You know, Jesus isn't like a rabbit's foot. You know, you rub for, for good luck or he's not like a magic wand. I know God does this stuff. I know God touches some people. <clears throat> and in a single moment in time, they're transformed. Bam! But I do know this too. There are many, many other people who have to find out this is about a lifestyle. This is about walking something out. This is about changing ideas, attitudes, and opinions. This is about growing in grace, working out my salvation with fear and trembling, the apostle Paul would say. So I believe this began here. She tried. She tried. She tried. She had children to prove how desperate she was to win her husband's affection. But it's like at a given point, she realized this isn't working. This just isn't working. So what does she do? She turns to the Lord. Now I'll praise the Lord, she says. Interesting thing. I'll read this. You don't need to read it out loud. This is in Genesis 49 when Jacob was about to die. What Jacob did was he sat on his bed. He prophesied over his 12 sons. You can find this in the end of Genesis. And then he says this. I am to be gathered to my people. He's saying, I'm dying. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite. In the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with the field of Ephron the Hittite as a possession for a burial place. Listen now. There they buried Abraham and Sarah, his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah, his wife. And there I buried who? Leah. Doesn't mention Rachel. Here's what I believe happened. I believe that I believe that when Leah when she began to turn to the Lord Jacob began to turn to her. This is a crazy thing in high school a guy said to me, "Robin, you're too nice." I know it's hard to believe, ladies and gentlemen, but he said, you, you try too hard to be nice. I didn't know what he's talking about. I was trying to find friends. Well, there's something that happens. There's something, the harder you try in certain relationships, and it's a way you try, it repels people. But see, when Leah turned to the Lord, Jacob turned to her. When Leah began to praise the Lord, Jacob began to change. Now, is it a guarantee? No, I'm not saying it's a guarantee. I'm just telling you that's what happened. When he died, possibly the last person's name he called was, there I buried Leah, because it says he drew his feet up into his bed, breathed his last, and was gathered to his people. I really like that. Jacob wanted to be buried with his wife Leah, not Rachel. And you know, Rachel was attractive, but she was a piece of work. Come on. 
I'm serious. Some guys out there trying to marry these gorgeous women, mistake. Baggage, baby, baggage. And girls, same thing. Oh, Brad Pitt looked like Brad Pitt. Might act like Brad Pitt. Is that okay? It's a good word. My wife looked to me. She saw character. I used to strike quite a striking pose. Now I'm just posing. No. You, you, guys want to marry Playboy models. Mistake. You need to marry somebody that's just a really good person. Really good. Looks good. Come on. Got to look good. Some level. Ladies, you know what I'm saying? This message should be videoed and go around the world. <laughs> go around the world. When we look to people to fulfill our needs, we become frustrated. Listen, that's church. If you think this church is awesome, you're crazy. If you think everybody up in here is nice, you're wrong. If you think you're going to come up here and your life's just going to turn around, it could, but it may not, because these people are people just like you are. They may be as messed up as you were when you came. When you, that, when they, you could be. I'll tell you what a powerful church is. A powerful church is a church like this where everybody in here is going, Jesus is my answer, not you. If you're looking for me to fulfill you, let me pop that bubble. I don't feel that necessarily. I'm just saying this is the way life works. But when we look to people to fulfill our needs, we become frustrated, disappointed, angry. We become accusers. And accusers are the closest thing to the devil as you can ever be in certain ways. You can't be that way. But when Leah turned to the Lord, when Leah looked to him, it seemed like Jacob turned to her. It's amazing. That was her choice. Now, I almost feel like when she said, now, praise the Lord, she's saying, this having babies thing is not working. <laughs> now, praise the Lord. I think she made a decision. She made a choice. She made that statement. Here's what I'm going to do now. I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to turn my eyes away from this man in the sense that I expect him to do for me everything I want. And I'm going to find something in the God of the universe. We really do. We really do need to know the Lord better. Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what happens? All these things will be added. Added. I remember... Um, We have to be careful sometimes when we ask God for a word because he'll hold it to us. Do you know what I'm saying? And I remember when I was, uh, Don and I were going out. We had a very rocky relationship. 
I don't know how many times we broke up. It was ugly. It, it was me too, it wasn't her. Imagine that. But at a given point, early on, I knew I really loved her. I just couldn't work it out, couldn't figure it out. Anyway, a guy came to me and gave me a word. He said, I believe the Lord has a word for you, Psalm 37, 4. What is it? Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. But the problem was I was delighting myself in her. Now, you may think I'm splitting hairs, but I'm not splitting hairs. See, I had already started looking for something from her she did not have in the initial stages of our courtship. And it kept blowing apart. I kept getting confused. But the Lord had given me a word. Delight yourself in me. I'll work this thing out. And so after I broke up with her for the fourth, fifth, sixth, or seventh time, I feel sorry for you, babe. You were terribly mistreated. But when I began to find my delight in the Lord, we got back together and got married just several months. Because that's the key. You know, when we say Jesus is the answer, do you know what that means? He really is. A personal relationship with Jesus is the answer. The Bible's not the answer. The Bible contains an answer. The Bible contains it. But Jesus, relationship with Jesus is the answer. How many people you know read the Bible and they don't anymore have answers in nothing? But we can't do without the Bible. But the Bible speaks of this person who completes us, gave his life for us. Now, what happens when you praise the Lord? One thing, one thing I thought was, in the spiritual life, some things you have to do before you feel. What do you mean? I mean, sometimes you need to thank the Lord when you don't feel thankful. You've got to prime the pump. You've got to start. You've got to get going. I heard a guy the other day, you know, I think John Mark mentioned this earlier about not having something to be thankful for. Well, I heard a guy the other day, and he started thanking God because he was hearing the birds sing. There's always something to be thankful for. One of the things that happens is we need to commit to this process by faith, whether we feel like it or not, because it begins to bear fruit. You ultimately feel it. It's like taking vitamins. The moment you take a vitamin, you don't feel stronger. The vitamin has to work. It's like confessing the Word of God. You can confess the Word of God, and you don't feel better until later. And when you feel better later, you forget how you got there. Praise will increase your faith. Romans 4.20. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. I'm going to read maybe two more verses, and I'm going to turn this back over to John Mark. It's the way to enter into the presence of God. You enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. But thankfulness is also a practical way to abide in the goodness of God's presence. How do you get into the presence of God? You identify that he is worthy. You believe he has been good to you. You begin to thank him even on the most elementary levels until you develop a life of praise and thanksgiving for the abundance of everything 
He has granted us and given us our lifeblood, our joints, our feet, our bodies, the blue sky, birds, relationships, car, whatever. So much to be thankful for. But Psalm 22, 3 says this, But Lord, you are holy. You are enthroned in the praises of Israel. Say that with me. Enthroned in the praises of Israel. That means you that inhabit the praises of Israel. Where does God dwell? One place I know he dwells is in praise. You enter that place, you can stay in that place. All right. Did you want to come? Yeah, I just had some thoughts. Um, I actually think that, I actually think we're always in the presence of the Lord and praise and thanksgiving is just acknowledging the reality of the truth. That's right. You know, um, praise and thanks is seeing the world correctly. Bob Dylan says you got to serve somebody. You're going to serve somebody. You don't get a choice. Only choice is who you serve. What you praise is what you serve. It's what you give yourself to. If you give yourself to complaining and anger, then you serve the darkness of those thoughts. So you can be totally right and be mad about how everyone else is wrong and have a hard time sleeping at night and have a hard time seeing the goodness in the rest of the world. You know what I mean? Criticism is the anti-praise. It gives a voice to the things that are not good. I think praise will change your world, but not like a rain dance or a secret handshake. Praise is goodness. Practicing goodness and joy. Happiness is practiced. We assume that it's found, but it's cultivated. It's cultivated. I've got something else I want to do. Also, I think we don't want what we think we want. You know what I mean? Those are some of my thoughts. Like I think I love praise. I love this talk about praise. I just think that it, it I don't think that praise is a, um, it's not like a magic button where if you praise all of a sudden your world is going to change. I think the world is already good. I think that breathing is good and waking up every morning is really good. The problem is in our negative conversations in our mind, we tend to focus on the parts of the world that are not good. And God does want to change the world and he wants to change you and he wants to change the actual world through you. But I don't think that happens until you realize how good your world actually is. You know, I've been to third world countries and I cannot believe the joy that comes from those people who have nothing. And it's an actual joy. It's not a stupid joy. It's not an immature joy. It's actually an incredibly mature, beautiful, real joy of people who don't live as long as we do, who don't have the things we do, who deal with the type of things we can't even imagine. That's not a, it's not a guilty thing. It's not something to feel guilty about. It just shows you that joy is always available to you. Always available to you. I mean, we're taught in America that joy is available when you pay the price for the things that you want. Then you can be happy. But it doesn't work like that. Mm. I think joy is the reality of your situation right now, here today. And you can enter into it whenever you want. Exactly. So those are my thoughts on joy and praise and thanksgiving. So. Hello, my name is Rock. You know, um, <clears throat> I was just sitting there and I was like, this has got to be a setup from the Lord. Um, 
this whole week, um, you know, I think about this, but this whole week I was just overwhelmed by a thought. And um, it'll culminate to what I'm about to say. We serve a good God. A lot of us talk about the good God we serve, but very few of us actually experience the goodness of the Lord to the point where when our testimony comes out of our mouth, when we say it's a good God, it's not a cliche. It's actually a good God. The cliche, we have it, you know. So, and a thought just dropped in my mind. I was like, okay, why don't we put just something together, Um, a video we put on YouTube. This is me thinking. Just talking about the goodness of the Lord. Um, and then I had this racism thing that, you know, ran through my mind. Because I've been um, doing some work on that area. You know, how you watch television and, you know, you know, police officer did this and whatever. But what the Lord has done far exceeds what the enemy is putting on television. Yeah. Far exceeds. There is more white and black people that get along way more than what television puts out there. Um, so, why did I want to talk? Um, I lost it. <laughs> Jesus, I'm so overwhelmed by this. Um, okay, this is what I got this morning. This morning we were downtown with friends. We do sometimes every other Sunday. We just out there evangelizing early morning. And I ran into this guy, we were talking, and the Lord just began to overwhelm me with his love. And this is what I got, and this is what I wanted to share coming up here. I closed my eyes because it's so deep for me. He will not die again. The provision for love and thankfulness is here. He will not die again. There will not be another sacrifice for us to step into what is available now. That's all. Come here. You good? I may have something. Why don't we stand together? And let's offer the Lord just based on the death, resurrection, burial, all that of Jesus, all the wonderful things God's provided. Let's just thank him for a few minutes here. Let's just stop and give him that offering. Let's, let's do it out loud. Just identify a few things. No matter how basic you need to go, you could have had a rough time, but just remember, yeah, focus Leah's focus shifted, and when her focus shifted, her life experience shifted. She entered into what Rock was saying in the Old Testament by type. She entered into the provision of God that's already there. So, Father, we do. We thank you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness. Lord, we don't earn an experience of it by thankfulness, but we begin to recognize when we shift our focus to you. Thank you, Lord, for family, friends, health, provision, encounter, wisdom. Lord, the great nation we live in, best nation in the world. Thank you, my God, that we really are a nation of many tongues, many tribes, many peoples. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for holding uh, this thing together called the United States. Father, release 
Lord, release demonstrations of your goodness over and over. Release them, Lord. Lord, cause us to be so aware of who you are that we will see you more and more. Lord, thank you for the people you've healed. Thank you for the people you've saved. Thank you for the people you've restored. Thank you for marriages that you've restored. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins, Lord. Thank you that you don't hold us accountable for our sins because we've put our trust in you, Lord Jesus, for our forgiveness. Lord, thank you for this building. Lord, thank you for these chairs. Lord, I was in a church last week that had really, really nicer chairs. They were made out of wood and they had cushions and they weren't near as comfortable as these old flimsy chairs we've got. Thank you, awesome chairs, Lord. Great way to go, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.